may be seated. Let me ask you to bow your heads with me and see yourself in the presence of the Lord. We do thank you, Lord Jesus, for this amazing description of what you went through on our behalf. Come and visit with us now, Lord, one by one. Give us that sense of being right there face to face with you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for, for all that you have done to make heaven possible for us. Thank you for the privilege of knowing, knowing you. Please, Lord Jesus, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, at the earlier service, as I was reflecting on Good Friday coming at us this week, so that what we have just read and shared in together is setting the stage for us this Holy Week to make that journey to the cross for ourselves. And beyond that, come next Sunday to celebrate Jesus walking from the grave alive. As I was reflecting on this at the earlier service, I realized that it was something like about 66 years ago. It was a Good Friday. And on that Good Friday, 66 years ago, I never went to church. It was a holiday in England, a day off. So here I was, a teenager, enjoying what was a very pleasant day. And we had just moved to London from Oxford. And I knew next to no one when a pretty girl across the street started chatting with me about some music I happened to be playing on the piano with the windows open and asked me whether I knew a certain song to play, popular song at that time. I won't get into all the details of that except to say I took her to the movies that night. 
And along the way fell madly in love with her. And then she ditched me. This is all going through my mind at the earlier service. (laughs) Because that girl mentioned in our brief, I don't know whether it was one, two, three months of dating, I know I was hooked deeply. She mentioned she went to church. So having dumped me, I found out which church it was and went to that church. (laughs) It's amazing the little incidental things along the way that get you to church. I was looking for Shirley, that was her name. So I was sitting where I could look around and see where Shirley was. She wasn't there. And then the preacher got in the pulpit. And he was spectacular. He was a man's man. He wasn't limp-wristed. Talking like, what have you, you know, we've got some preachers like that in England. (laughs) So I went more and more frequently to hear him. And one day, walking out of church, he asked me if I would go with them to hear an American preacher who'd come to London. And because the senior minister was asking me, I said I'd go. And Tuesday night of that week in May, I went to hear Billy Graham in a large arena and asked Jesus to come into my life. Isn't it amazing that all started on a Good Friday with Shirley White making moves on me (laughs) and then ditching me and mentioning she went to church. And I was so desperate that I chased her to church and never caught up with her. But in that process, Jesus caught up with me. So that as years passed, I knew some other Good Fridays where I was deeply moved at the thought of going and spending an hour or two or three with Jesus at the cross. Because that day I asked Christ to come into my life was the beginning of the rest of my life. The reason I'm here this morning is because of that day. The reason I have my wife is because of that day. The reason we have our four daughters is because of that day. Interestingly, there's a whole row of young women in this church 
In fact, I'll ask them all to stand just for the fun of it. Will you girls just all stand, please? You see those young ladies? The reason they're in your church this morning is because of that day I gave my life to Jesus. Thank you. They're, they're all... <laughs> and the reason they're here is that my granddaughter, our granddaughter, my wife and I, have our daughter with us and her daughter with us and her friends with her. So you start adding up the women in that lineup <laughs> with more to come. All because of a Good Friday when a girl made a move on me. I say that because it's amazing the ordinary things that are going on and sometimes extraordinary things but God is in it and he's making moves. Let me read a passage from John's Gospel about this uh, amazing triumphal entry of Jesus. It says, the next day the great crowd that came, this is John chapter 12. The next day the great crowd that had come for the feast, that is of the Passover, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel! Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written. And here, a prophecy is alluded to, as it is written. This is from the Old Testament. Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. Now that statement is from Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. At first, it says, his disciples did not understand all this. Only that Jesus was, after Jesus was glorified, did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. They participated in this entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, but they had no clue as it was going on that they were fulfilling God's prophecy that Jesus would come, the Messiah, riding on a donkey and being hailed as king. Zechariah was writing in the 6th century B.C. They did not know that they were a part of the fulfilling of centuries-old prophecy concerning Jesus. Now, having said that much, let me tell you this. 
without getting into too much detail, a statistician by the name of Dr. John Stoner worked out the odds of Jesus fulfilling only eight of the prophecies concerning himself. Only eight. I'll put this in context that over 300 statements of the Old Testament refer to the Messiah. But if you take only eight and given all the people that have lived since those prophecies that one man in his lifetime would fulfill only eight of them. The odds of that are one in ten to the seventeenth power. Now all those girls back there know exactly what that means. That that's another seventeen zeros on the back end of that ten. And I'll tell you this much. that Stoner estimated that that one in ten to the seventeenth power equals a number that if you took a silver dollar for each one, you could cover Texas, Texas, to the depth of two feet. That's what 10 to the 17th power looks like. But it's one in that many. So that means that you could mark one silver dollar, toss it out from a helicopter over Texas, and send a blind man out there to wander around Texas in two feet of silver dollars and pick up just one of them. And it would be that one. The reason I belabor this point is that those scriptures you've just heard read and the promise of a Messiah in Jesus and that God would love us enough to give us evidences ahead of the event that we reflecting on it and looking back like the original disciples say, wow, that's amazing. And that's only eight of the prophecies concerning Jesus. Have those odds. That literally means that sitting here today in this church, we've had the privilege of hearing again the historical narrative of Jesus, that one, that one, coming in the course of history as an infant born of the Virgin Mary, one of the prophecies. Born in Bethlehem, another of the prophecies. Being crucified at age 33. Psalm 22 mentions his being pierced in his hands and his feet, but not a bone was broken. They broke the legs of the other two criminals, but not Jesus. 
Psalm 22, a psalm of David. That's 10th century B.C. That when you come to Isaiah, Isaiah, I know you call him, the crucifixion in Isaiah 53, describing Jesus or the Messiah dying to pay for all the wretched, miserable, stinking rebellion of our hearts, our sins, so that we could be forgiven. And it all happened in Jesus. When he cries, I thirst from the cross. You read that narrative. It says, to fulfill scripture, he cried, I thirst, down to even calling from the cross. And Psalm 22, which I've just quoted, begins with, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What we're dealing with here is a miracle of God. Not a coincidence, not an accident, that all that could point to a moment in time when Jesus was born and came and lived his life, demonstrating his power over the elements and over disease and over death, and in walking from the grave alive over sin, Satan and hell. All God's plan. So that little John Guest, on a good Friday in London, England, might end up dating a girl that would end up having him chase her to church and have a minister invite me to go here, an, an American evangelist. So that I could ask that Jesus, that Jesus, to come into my life and fill me with his spirit and make me new. So that I might preach in this pulpit this Sunday morning and say these things so that you say, whoa. That means Jesus loves me. Did you draw that conclusion? That you are that one person. That you are not just incidentally here. Whether a musician, one of the ministers, or you've come here broken hearted this morning because somebody dumped you. And that that same Jesus is walking around, as it were, amongst us. And his spirit moving through these words, just as I prayed, God speaking through my lips to your heart and your mind. I know when we come to a church service like this and we try to pull off a procession and wave a, a palm and have the guys and girls read the scriptures, it all seems a little bit construed. And since we only do it once a year, 
We don't know quite how to do it. But in amongst all of that, there is a living Jesus who comes to you. You. Be encouraged as you head to the cross this Good Friday. To think that next Sunday, just seven days hence, the mood of everything will have been transformed by the resurrection. Jesus is alive. Jesus is here. Jesus loves you. Bow your heads and pray with me. See Jesus coming to where you are. Right to you. Standing in front of you. Looking at you. In your mind's eye see yourself looking at him. And say to him, in your own heart, just between you and him, say to him, Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming to earth, to the planet earth. And all that you suffered every indignity the phony pomp of riding on a donkey the pathetic words of a crowd ordinary people trying to give you acclamation you the Lord thank you for all that you endured in the beating and the execution and the dying thank you for doing that for me forgive me Lord Jesus the sin even the sin of my unbelief my hesitancy to get too close to you my unwillingness to surrender my life to you. Forgive me. And in this moment, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come and fill me with yourself. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Cleanse me from my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Take possession of me. Drive out the darkness of doubt.
and the places where I have hidden and fill me with yourself and grant to me the joy of celebrating with you all that you have done for me thank you Lord Jesus help me to love you more dearly see you more clearly follow you more nearly this day and day by day we pray in your name Lord Jesus Amen